Okay, so we are upon. Hold on, hold uh, on. You got to stop. My my, you high on those with a dog. When a dog comes over looking upset, you got to go. So hold on. All right. It's that's that or he'll shit on the carpet. Okay. We're pausing. Find the carpet cleaner. Dog said, "I need to go, and I need to go now." That's a good boy. You told Daddy you need to go potty. Hi, this is Micah Points, third degree patron and a member of the Section 126 family. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. It's a new era at FC Dallas, and the new FC Dallas Crescendo Kit has dropped at Soccer 90. The hoops are back. Adult, women, and youth sizes are available. Shop the entire FC Dallas collection and gear up for the opening match Saturday. And remember, third degree listeners receive 20% off your purchase when you use code third degree at checkout on soccer90.com. Some exclusions apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. The new season for FC Dallas is nigh upon us. Excitement fills the air. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Third Degree, the podcast. It is a special episode number. Which one is it? 150. Woohoo! Tooting horns. Hi, it's me, Peter. And alongside, via the miracle of the internet, first, Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hello, hello, hello. It truly is a miracle that we're still doing this. Yes. Uh, consistency is the key to popularity. That's a rule or a rhyme or something like I that. I don't know. And FC Dallas has been around for 25 years consistently and is still not popular. Very, very fair point. <clears throat> And, uh, of course, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero. And, by the way, <clears throat> uh, following and writing and covering this stupid team for the last 25 years, our friend and hero, Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Yeah, uh, thanks, Peter, and thank you to all the people that continue to help us cover this stupid team with the, uh, the Patreon support. It's really helpful. I will point out, by the way, Peter, that 25 seasons makes it effectively half my life that I've been doing this now. Holy crap. So, so keep that in mind as we move forward. I think we've come up with a new shirt idea, FC Dallas, that stupid team. Yeah, <laughs> the stupid club. The yeah. stupid club. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, so the new season is here. Everybody's excited. Saturday night, the team kicks off against Toronto up in uh, Toyota Stadium. Uh, and just on cue, it appears the weather's going to suck on Saturday, so I'm sure the house will be packed for all that fun. Um, Buzz, we did have a game or a scrimmage or a friendly or an exhibition to finish out what you have described as the worst preseason schedule and agenda <laughs> in the club's history yeah but you didn't write the game review and in no, fact no. it was no. one dan crook who wrote one of the niftiest most state-of-the-art game reviews i've seen in some time complete with animations and video clips so dan crook you get to tell us what happened in dallas's defeat of houston just a few days ago i did most of that for the first one too mm, i must have missed that yeah. yeah, yeah, have words after. Um, 
Yeah, it was pretty solid uh, end to the preseason. 2-1 win over Houston. Uh, 2-1 win, you have, have to understand that was go-to goals up and then decide to just tactically mess around with things. Uh, Paxton Pomacol got a, got a nice, uh, nice finish after a bizarre Paul Ariola shot off the post that everyone thought went out it didn't it just kind of rolled along the end line so he goes chases it gives it to Paxton absolute dog shit defending by Houston Paxton may have even been offside but who cares we'll take it um, not in my world he wasn't dang he looked it from where I was uh Jesus Ferreira uh should have had a goal uh it was it was pretty clearly an own goal for uh, Adam Lundqvist in I think the fifth minute uh, unfortunately, uh, the bad guys did get one back. Uh, Nikosi Tafari and Brandon Savania kind of came together. A clearance smashed off Savania and gave uh, Corey Baird a pretty easy header late in the game. Uh, but, I mean, really, we got to see quite a bit from it. We got to see what's most likely to be the uh, the starting 11 on the, on the opening day of season, unchanged 11 from the midweek. Nico had a chance to, I mean, he only made six subs. He named a short bench, kind of treated it like, uh, you know, like an MLS game for the most part. Good to see uh, players get in 90 minutes. And, uh, yeah, we got to see some some tactical messing around. Uh, Buzz had mentioned uh, from, actually, yeah, we had done the podcast after it. Um, in the last game, there was an issue with the wings flipping and that that kind of needing to happen to, Kickstart the build. No such trouble this time. Uh, Nico actually didn't flip the wings at all. He kind of just uh, did that whole notion of if it's a trouble spot, you play through it. So that's exactly what they did. Hader Obrian decided he wanted to be a soccer player today, uh, that day, and Marco Farfan decided he wanted to get to know Hader. So that was that was nice. Um, the only wing swap really happened after uh, everyone went off. Uh, we got to even see what Buzz was talking about in the four four two with uh, Siki and Sebeling uh, playing as the second striker. It was kind of interesting. They were doing uh, they were playing the four three three, dropping into almost the four two uh, four four two. Uh, while Houston were building at the back early on, they just kind of flipped it around. They played a four four two, dropping into a four three three. Uh, trying to press up on the ball. Uh, beyond that, yeah, it was, it was great. You know, it was, it was nice to kind of see that uh, that second shape. Nico did say that the reason was basically everyone was tired, but uh, yeah, pretty, pretty right. successful into a crappy preseason, right? Right. So uh, speaking and joking about, I mean, we make jokes about what a bad preseason schedule this been has been, Buzz. But I, I do think a serious question is after watching Dallas largely boss around a bunch of really bad soccer teams, do you really have a sense of a what Nico is trying to do, and b how good this team may or may not be for the twenty twenty two season? Uh, I think, A, we definitely have a good idea of what he wants to do. But, B, we have no idea how good this team's going to be. Um, you know, p- part of the reason Dallas has this really bad schedule is because of the limitations of right now of COVID and travel and, and the everyone's trying to minimize exposure and all that kind of stuff. It's like that's one of the biggest issues for the club right now. 
uh, compared to injuries. <laughs> you know, usually injuries are what you worry about. But right now, COVID is an overwhelming thing because, you know, if, you, if somebody gets positive, they, you can lose players for a week or two or or big chunks of your team if it gets into the team. So it is an issue. Um, you know, I, I think also, of course, with this franchise, the ability to have teams in the area, relatively speaking with Houston and Dynamo and all that kind of stuff in San Antonio FC and maybe even the Oklahoma teams, you know, you can get some decent competition. The problem is, is that right now all the Texas teams are bad. So you got this terrible schedule, you know, when ordinarily you would like to be able to bring in teams to here that are better. You know, one of the teams they brought in was Chicago, who was terrible. And I think Houston brought in Vancouver, who's, you know, better than that, but they didn't play Dallas. So you got the schedule that you got. And the problem is, Something we saw when Lucci was coach is that some of those schedules that they put together back in the day, Lucci came out of one of the, I think the very first one, you know, a month or two later, he was like, man, we definitely didn't play good enough teams. Um, Cause you don't really test yourself. You don't, you don't really challenge yourself and you don't really find out where your big issues are, which brings us to the B part. We don't really know what this team's capable of. We don't really know where the pressure points are. I mean, we have some ideas of course, but they didn't really test themselves against the kinds of teams that you're going to play for the bulk of your schedule. You know, you're not going to get Chicago, Houston, and Austin, three of the worst teams in the league. You're not going to get those teams more than once each or, or twice each and or three times each at best. You're still going to have two thirds of your schedule is going to be teams that are much, much better than that. And so you don't know what you have. You don't know what to expect. Uh, and so despite the fact that I think we know what, Nico wants to do, we, we know what Nico wants to do because of the national team, you know, and because of the practices we watch, you know, we don't, we don't know how he's going to react and how the team's going to react when they actually run into somebody that's going to be much better than they are, which is going to happen. So um, it's, it's not a great schedule and it's not a great preseason from that regard. It is a good preseason. However, in terms of coming through it, mostly unscathed in terms of health, you're able to work on your tactics and your, your combinations and your rotations and your, sequences under a new coach all that's fine and good but it doesn't prepare you for the slog that is major league soccer go ahead i I think uh you know one thing from that last game and part of the reason we saw at 4-4-2 was not only tired legs but houston was so narrow that it just allowed dallas to kind of get around them uh to pen pen them in as as a whole but also houston kind of vacated the midfield so you know, just to kind of keep numbers in, numbers up. Uh, Edwin wasn't playing particularly much, uh, particularly as a as a six. They were playing a very flat three, just be- because Houston had no one in the middle of the park, so they were just trying to press higher. That that's the sort of stuff that we're not going to get to see, other than you know, in a preseason game or against a, a truly dreadful team. Maybe you know, worse than uh, worse than a, a Houston or. Uh, I guess, you know, a Vancouver or someone equally poor. You know, I, I didn't get to see a whole bunch of the Houston game, but I've seen bits and pieces of the different stuff that they've streamed over the course of the last few weeks. And I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but I... I do watch a lot of uh, a lot of what I have watched has driven me to continue to uh, uh, be concerned a little bit about Nico's desire to play Jesus as a false nine um, and and the team's ability to create dangerous chances with this particular setup. 
But the other thing that dawned on me as I was watching this uh, the other day and thinking about the amount of it was a comment you made, Buzz, about the amount of running that Brandon and Paxton were being asked to do in this setup. And the reality is, is they don't really have a quality option to replace either or rest either one of those players. And here we are on the eve of the start of the season. And I don't, I have, I mean, I know there was a rumor about them signing a young center back out of Ecuador earlier today, but that's not a center midfielder. So I guess this is a lot of me just prattling on to ask the question, do we feel like they're going to sign a veteran or quality center midfield option to go along for this season? Well, I I would hope so. Um, Dan Hunt uh, on one of the radio shows the other day said that they're not done signing people and they have an international spot open. Well, then they went and signed, potentially, or signing the center back from Ecuador, as you say, which would eat up that international spot. So while I would absolutely, and I think you, obviously, by this question, and pretty much every other observer of this team that writes about this team would tell you that they're missing an eight. Even if it's a backup, you still would need a like a veteran eight in there. Now, I think we're going to get to it in a minute. There's an eight they're going to sign, but it's not going to be what you're talking about. Um well, go ahead and mention that. Okay, well, the, the, they're going to sign Blaine Ferry. Um, now, if we want to get into that, the, there's some weirdness there. The reason I say that is multifaceted. The first is that uh, he changed numbers mid-season, mid-spring. I know people are like, wait, what? Well, when he first came into camp, he had a number of a trialist, and now he has a number of a squad num- member. Now, that's not by itself definitive, but it's also three days till the start of the season, and he's still in the MLS camp. Uh, but most importantly, I flat out asked Coach <laughs> Nico Estevez, and he says, yes, Benny will be with us. Uh, he's going to be with FC Dallas. And if he's in the 18, he will be in the 18. If he's not in the 18, they'll send him back to North Texas to play. So, you know, that's as definitive as it can be that they're going to bring him in. Now, because he's technically under contract to North Texas already, they can just loan him from North Texas to FC Dallas. So, you know, there may not be like a big announcement today, like, oh my gosh, we've signed Blaine Ferry. They may just say, you know, they may wait until they actually need him in the 18 and then process the loan. But he's wearing FC Dallas gear and has a different number. And I assume they'll actually go ahead and loan him up and then send him back, which is a complicated bouncing. But the problem is, is that, yes, that's an eight. Yes, we love his progression. I've been talking about his mentality change all spring, but he's never played a minute in MLS. And Siki, the other guy, has never played a minute in MLS. So if you're going to miss Paxson or miss Brandon for a game, are you ready to play a guy who's never played a minute in MLS as a starter? You want to blood those guys in as late in games and get them little tastes here and build them up, build up their confidence. You don't want to throw them to the wolves and get them destroyed. So you need a veteran eight who, while we don't want them to play in front of Paxson or Brandon, you need a guy that can start games if necessary. And they're missing that. Now, Coach Estevez also has talked about we have other players that can with profiles that can adapt to that position. Well, that's true. That's what coaches always say. Yes, you can put Ryan Hollingshead in there. Oh, well, no, you can't anymore. But the same thing is true. Like Imato Omasi can do that. Um, you could probably could say Paul Ariola could do it. You know, there, there's other dudes that can do it. But that's not the same as having a legitimate guy who's capable of starting an MLS to push. Paxton and Brandon, you don't want those guys to be complacent. So uh, absolutely, there's a giant gaping eight-sized hole in this roster. There has been, and there still is. They don't seem in a hurry to fix it, though. When is the window closed for the start of the season? 
Oh, it's not till like May. You so know, they the could first... sign somebody yeah. for a yeah. while here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, although they're they're about to be out of international spots if this loan deal is true. So it'll have to be somebody domestic. I mean, Joe Corona's available. You know, I, I don't I don't know. There's there's probably some guys out there. I mean, you know, there's probably a hundred guys that got waived by MLS teams over the last two months. Now, look, none of them are going to be the starter. You're you're talking about a guy who's like a, a lifer MLS journeyman kind of type that you might a guy that's bounced between this and the USL championship, somebody like that. It doesn't have to be expensive because you don't want him to start, but you want him to be able to start if you have to. And that they don't have that. Yeah. It just seems really strange to me that uh, their entire season hinges now on uh, really more than anything else, Paxton staying healthy for the entirety of the season and, and and also Brandon, for that matter, because if they lose either one of those guys on Saturday due to an injury for any length of time, they don't really have an option to replace them at all. Just to your everything yeah. you just said, that's exactly what that means, right? I mean, yeah, it's Blaine Ferry. Yeah, it's Blaine Ferry or it's Siki Nestebling, who is more of Brandon's backup than Paxton's. Ferry's Paxton's backup. Um, based on what we've seen in rotations and practice. But that's the thing is like if one of those guys gets kicked and needs like, oh, I got to come out, pulls a hamstring. Yeah. Blaine Ferry is starting 20 games if 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 Paxson goes down for real. I mean, right. that's you can't do that. That's impossible. Well, that's right. The, I mean, right. That, that's, kind of, that's why I'm confused, because for yeah. all the good things that have happened in this offseason, this seems to be the most glaring hole in the armor. And maybe this is the reason why all of the MLS pundits from the website, none of them pick them to go to the playoffs. I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest with you. Uh, that none of them? I was surprised none of them did. I'm not surprised that a lot of them didn't. No, no. I, yeah. The fact they were universally and unanimously yeah. elected not to make the playoffs, I was take. I was caught off guard by that, yes. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just Paxson, too. It's it's both of them. You know, you're, you're looking at – look, part of the answers could be like – Edwin and, and Faco can both sort of do that eight-ish kind of job too, not like Paxton can, of course, but you know, there's ways to get around it for a game or two. But if you were to lose one of those guys for a good chunk of time, you, you you're basically starting a rookie that has never seen anything at either position. And you may be super excited about both of those kids. And I'm more excited about Blaine than I am about Siki, but they both have a lot of interesting qualities that make me excited they're on the team. But that's not the same thing as like Oh crap! I need a guy to start twenty games. You know, if someone got hurt or something. You know, that's that's look. We we blistered them for poor roster management last year. Yeah, this is the same thing. This is a massive roster mistake you're making. Now it's not the four or five they made last year, but it's definitely one big one that they have left. I mean, they've solved all the rest of the problems, but this is the only big one left. Well, uh, to to be fair, if Paxton and Cervania are healthy through the entirety of the season, then they can look back and laugh at us. But yeah. that just seems so improbable. Even if you just want to rest somebody uh, yeah. for a game or two, that, that seems weird because I – mean, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like, it's like driving without insurance. It's the same thing. You don't have an insurance policy. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You're not covering for the worst case scenarios. You're planning for the best case scenario. And that's not always a good idea. Well, the reason why it's so disappointing at this point and so close to the start of the season was when they made the announcement that they had traded with Seattle for that extra international slot. I thought that was the glaring alert that something was about to happen. And then the news today that they may end up having to use this extra slot for a young uh, center back, which 
by the way, again, as a position of need, uh, definitely. But to give that to an international uh, player, uh, to use that on an international player is disappointing to me. Again, going back to my frustration about allowing Justin Che to go leave for Germany on loan in the first place. So, Yeah, <laughs> I knew you'd bring that back up. Uh, yeah, well, listen, I, I, with Che gone, I thought they needed a center back. I mean, this I've, I've been talking for months now of these are the positions in need. A fifth center back was one of them for sure, especially somebody that can play on the left because – Hedges, Tafare, and Bartlett are all righties. This guy's a righty too, but he plays on the left a fair amount. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of journeyman eights out there that you could get. They have three senior open roster spots. You know, there's plenty of room to add a guy for depth. You don't have to give him a guaranteed contract. You know, like if it's if later in the year something else comes along, you can move him out. You know, there's plenty of domestic dudes available. I'm sure they could find one. You know, particularly with Nicky Hernandez down for a month or something, too, because he's a guy that fits in there also, but he's not exactly proven himself in MLS. He's at least got some minutes, but you're missing him. You know, he only solves one of the two positions in a sense, you know, and he's out for, what, a month? I don't remember exactly what he's out for, but, um, you know, it's not a guy that's covered himself in glory either. So if, if we're talking about how great things have gone this offseason, how awesome they're doing and all these wonderful things that we like all over the club, this glaring missing piece of this veteran aid is just driving me crazy. And I, I don't I can't I don't like it. <laughs> all right. Clearly. Dan, yeah. since uh, you wrote the last you know, couple, you've written a couple of game reviews. I know you've seen all of the games uh, played in the preseason. At least I think you have. Why don't you give us your honest assessment of how the Paxton, Brandon, uh, Cirillo, uh, you know, trio have fared and how you feel about them as the starting center group for this team for this season. I mean, it's been so far so good, but, uh, you know, you look at the quality of the opposition they've faced. I think uh, Brandon and Edwin kind of proved their, their worth towards the end of last season when things started to pick up a little bit and you know they had pushed more seasoned players out of the lineup we know what Paxton's like on his day is it his day no that's probably at least a year from now he's still in that you know on the uh the second half of that comeback trail but they've definitely got the quality but it's it's so say will will they all be able to stay fit well Surreo less so but you know, Brandon's a player that's, that's had injuries in the past. We know Paxton's history. It's uh, it just kind of like you, you both just said. It's such a delicate situation there. But as you've watched them play in this preseason, do you have a sense that it it's like a legitimate setup for uh, if the rest of the team plays well? It's it's like a, le- a legitimate um, 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 you know what I'm saying. Are, are, can those three guys help make them a, con- a contender? Oh, absolutely. If, uh, you know, Paxton's talking about wanting to take charge of games, Brandon's getting forward better, Edwin's kind of figured out a little bit more of his side-to-side responsibilities. I think the, uh, you know, they're very flexible in the back with what they do with the six in regards to the centre-backs, what the full-backs do, more defensive uh formation on the fullbacks kind of eases that uh, situation as well allows uh, Brandon to stay a bit further forward I think you know the tactical awareness has been fantastic in the preseason and the the talent's definitely there uh, I think I, I think that's one position 
for the sake of talent, uh, well, just quality in general, you, you don't really have to worry. It's, it is purely health related. Right. Well, it is very much. I'm excited about uh, those three because we've always dreamed about having homegrowns running the show for the club, and we're arriving at that point. And now, I guess I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little frightened by the whole thing as, as well. At the same time, all right, Buzz. Uh, so Blaine Ferry, you predict will get signed, but there was an official signing this week, and this is one you've been predicting for some time. Yeah, Antonio Cura. Uh, this is exciting. He's a young, uh, you know, I think he's technically still 17-year-old goalkeeper. He's been the U19 keeper for a couple of seasons now, and he's trained with North Texas. And he he's good enough that he was making the North Texas bench last year as an academy player ahead of um, the kid they drafted. Uh, the funny story, the funny crazy thing about the story is that he actually signed a contract, and it was one of the hybrid contracts back in like end of December, sorry, end of November, early December. Uh, and they weren't ready to announce it. And, and the, the league told them not to announce any North Texas signings. And Dan, if you remember that when we got to camp opening day, they gave out a roster of everyone that was in camp and they listed Carrera as a North Texas player. And that was what he was going to be announced as. Um, and they, and the league was just telling everybody to wait. And then the league finally got around to telling everybody, you can go ahead and announcement. And then no announcement came. Uh, and it was because uh, basically when they went down to Florida, Carrera, played for the US uh, U20 team and he had six saves against Dallas. And then he played basically half the game, I think it was, for FC Dallas against Orlando. I don't remember the exact minutes against Orlando. And after the game, basically, uh, the the secondhand story is that um, Andre Zanata went up to uh, uh, Antonio and told him, we're tearing up your contract and voiding it. We want you to sign a straight homegrown deal. Whoa. So basically they decided off those two games, we no longer want this hybrid deal. We want straight homegrown. And he won, he basically won the third team, third keeper job on the first team with those two performances, basically. What was the, what, but what is the advantage for the club to sign him to a homegrown? If, I mean, couldn't they have used him as the third keeper under the contract they had signed him to? Uh, well, they probably could have. Uh, the, the difference is, I think the hybrid deal would have relegated him to being with North Texas completely like flat out. He would have been a North Texas player Um, because they want him to be the third keeper. They needed him to sign a deal directly with FC Dallas rather than a half and half deal. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So this way, like he's a full-time FC Dallas player. And now when, again, like Blaine Ferry, when Antonio's not in the 18, which should be most games, right? He's the third guy. Then he goes and plays for North Texas. He lowered him down. There's a weirdness to how that relationship has to work because FC Dallas has caps and roster rules and all these weird, crazy shenanigans. MLS 2, uh, MLS Next Pro, uh, or previously USL 1, has none of that. There was no cap. The roster rules are wide open. They have international spots, but Carrera's an American, so that doesn't matter. So like, you can send people down you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, all you want, no problem. But signing a guy that plays for North Texas, signing him up is a much more complicated process, requires an entirely new contract. So that's the distinction was basically he'd proven that he needed to be the third keeper. So therefore we need to sign him directly to FC Dallas. And that means a full-blown homegrown deal and not this not this hybrid deal, which would have been two years at North Texas and then, and then come up. See what I'm saying? There's, yeah. It's a technicality. There's a difference there, but there is a difference. Well, it's kind of like the Tessman 
uh, deal from however yeah. season ago or two seasons ago. I can't remember. Uh, two seasons ago when basically they uh, somebody got hurt. Uh, Brian Acosta got hurt. And so they brought Tanner in from the 19s into camp. And basically he was so good they signed him. And the mystery of that one to me is like, I don't know how you watch Tanner dominate the U19s over a year being like DA Cup, you know, playoff MVP and stuff and not think he was already that good. I mean, I don't know how you didn't already know that, you know, why you needed first team training to know that. But the uh, same thing again. Yeah, he proved it just like Testament. He proved it in training, specifically these two scrimmages the, the when he blanked FC Dallas and then played again for them, you know, four days later, played for Dallas instead of the U20s and, and that got him the contract. Okay, so Buzz, you did uh, weather the cold. You braved it for the good pod listener. You you uh, put on your puffy jacket and your hat, and you went out yeah. and watched, and you got to see in person training one Nanu. Nanu, Nanu, yeah. Please, uh, your instant gut reaction to your first sighting of Nanu. Yeah, perfectly quality player. Um you know, the, I talked to coach about him and he said that the first week that, uh, that he was there, which was the right, which was the week before this, obviously that the guy felt, you know, out of sorts because he was basically, he hadn't played since December or something. So he was, you know, totally in spring training kind of vibe and wasn't, you know, it wasn't going as he would have liked and that this week was much better. So the player I see in training is a perfectly adequate professional soccer player. There's nothing like he didn't do anything where I was like, Oh shit, this is awesome. You know, he was just, you know, decent with the ball moves. Well, seems to be a, a two way kind of player, you know, it's perfectly likable. I, I didn't see anything that instantly makes me think he's going to blow him Amasi out of the position or anything, you know, maybe in a month I might feel differently. Maybe when I see like, cause to be fair to him, I did not see any full field gameplay. It was all just drills and half field stuff. So you know, with a grain of salt that maybe when I see him on a full, you know, hundred yards, he might, it might blow me away, but, um, you know, decent signing, but nothing to be going crazy about necessarily. Not from what I've seen so far. It was okay. a shame that, that when they brought him on in the, uh, a game against Houston, it was that late on when they were kind of dicking around with everything and you just kind of, you know, at that point it's all you can do is get a little bit of fitness and sharpness under your belt. I mean, obviously didn't make any bad mistakes though. Okay, well, uh, that's better than a, a crummy review. Um, yeah, better... considering those dudes that I've seen the first day and said, oh, crap, this guy's terrible, it wasn't that. He was perfectly capable of being up to Dallas speed. And listen, under Nico now, they move the ball quick in training. I mean, it's aggressive, it's fast, lots of lots of drills about uh, that with mental checks in them, and he was perfectly up to speed and looked fine. So, you know, all the signs of a quality player there, we'll see how it goes. Yes, I'm always... I'm always thrown off when Buzz yeah. reports back and goes, uh, that guy's not any good. <laughs> yeah, that guy's terrible. That has happened. Yeah. Well, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it did. Uh, my favorite story of all time is the dude that was so bad that he tried to walk back to his hotel from Blue Sky, which is like that. a 15-mile walk or something <laughs> in his cleats and uniform. Bobby Hammond had to go chase him down with his car. Yeah. That was definitely one uh, trialist. He was... I think you were supposed to try out with the 19. It was being you were supposed to train with 19s. He'd come over from England and the guy spent about 10 minutes. He was absolutely useless. And they were like, just, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be soul crushing. Oh man, can to you show imagine? up for something like that and just absolutely fart it? Oh yeah, that would, that would not be good. All right, we also uh, see written here on the famously uh, red crayon written sheet that uh, Mr. Maurer has appeared back in training again. Yeah, and that's basically the extent of the report that he is back in training. I, you know, whether that means he's actually in competition for selection, I, I would say probably not because he just came back. You know, but um, so that'll be the big question is uh, I don't think that you could legitimately select him on this short of notice to be the starter. The question will be is, is he fit enough that he can now be on the bench or rent or Antonio will be on the bench for the game opener. But it's good to see Mauro back participating. You know, it might like Frank O'Hara, for example, was back participating in about half the session when they were doing the drills and ball work and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when they got into more normal sort of play, they pulled him out and had him do stuff on the side. So that's not the same as like he's participating fully out. You know, from where I was, it looked like Maurer was participating fully out. But, um, you know, we'll see. Keepers are different. Nico had said uh, Maurer from Monday, no, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. So that may have been the first day you saw him. Yeah, it, it um, might have been. Yeah. Soon from the end of this week, and then Hara, they're hoping next week or the week after to be in full participation. Wow. Um, so we'll talk about the starting 11 predictions here in a bit, but does that mean on Saturday, aforementioned Nico Carrera might be the backup goalkeeper for the opening game of the 22 season? Well, I don't think that um, Holston Keel is going to let their center back come play goal for FC Dallas. Oh, I forgot about Paz. <laughs> I for- no. totally blanked on that. Well, dude. I was making fun of you because his name is Antonio Carrera. Nico Carrera is the older brother that plays for Holston Keel. Antonio Carrera is the one that is the goalkeeper for FC Dallas. Oh, that's right. And Nico Estevez is the coach. Yeah. Oh, There's sorry. so many Nikos in There's this. Too scenario. many Nikos in. Yeah. Okay. And Nico writes for us as well, which is also confusing. Yeah, Nico uh, and I'm, yeah. uh, I'm getting old, guys. Sorry. Yeah. So it, uh, let me let me start over. Are you telling me that for the di- the opening game, Antonio Carrera, who just signed at the age of 17, may be the backup keeper? Yeah. For the first game. Oh, uh, very likely. Because uh, like I, like Dan said, if if Tuesday was the first day like the likelihood that you would, you know, it'll just depend on fitness checks. If they really think Meyer can play, you know, on just three days, I mean, Jimmy will be ready ment- mentally, you know, but do you want to risk a guy when it's, he's more than likely just going to be a bench dude, you know? So yeah, I think there's a good chance Antonio wow. might okay. be on the bench, especially because there's not a North <laughs> Texas game for him to go play in. It'll just be an Academy game. <laughs> that would be such a crazy turn of events and the resulting story for that kid. What a fantastic yeah. story. That's, that's really cool. Now, what also then would lead that would also lead me to ask: do, Is Frank O'Hara likely to make the bench for this game? And if he's not, who's the likely backup forward for Jesus? Well, he's definitely not going to make the bench for this game. Um, right now, the person that plays uh, the nine position in training is Benny Redzic, uh, which is crazy. Um, I think in the reality of a game situation, I don't think it would be him. It would be, you would put Obreon at the nine and put somebody else on the wing. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're trying to line up two 11s, it's Benny that plays the other nine in the other group. Okay. Any other injury things that we should know leading into the uh, first game? I think those four are it that I, oh, well, Nikki Hernandez is also still out of course. Okay. So those five. Um, All right, well, then let's talk about the starting 11 against Toronto on Saturday afternoon. 
gosh darn it, I won't be able to go because we're on the the kickarounds on the air at the same time. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna miss the game. But uh, well, it's it's it'll be exactly the same as the final tune up against Houston. Uh, you know, when you have a final tune up, that's what they're for. So it'll be Jesus uh, O'Brien on the left, Paul Ariel on the right. Uh, Edwin Cerrillo seems to have won the sixth job. He started most of the games this spring. Um, Paxton and, and Brandon, as we've discussed to death, are the other two are the only two eights really available um, that can't that matter. And then the back line will be Ima because Nanu has just been in a week. That's not enough time. It'll be Ima on the right, uh, Hedges Martinez, which not a choice I like, but that's what it is. And then Farfan on the left with um, Martin Paz and goal. Uh, can either one of you tell me if uh, Tafari has made any movement at, at taking one of those two starting gigs at center he back? Should have. Yeah, he Go should ahead, have. Dan. Martinez was terrible in the friendly. Yeah, he was just spoofing um, balls out of play. He was, yeah, he was kind of missing his marks on on headers and, and well, and actually missing his marker. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just looked like a, a guy who was a step off everything. You, you remember last year at the beginning of the season, we talked about this idea that sometimes for the good of your locker room management, you, when you start the season, you have to let the veteran have it. Um, and you're talking about a guy that's from Spain, you know, that's got, if so, if you're a coach that buys into perhaps like experience and the value of it at center back, you know, I, I can kind of understand why it's Martinez and Hedges. Martinez is the only actually lefty center back they have. But I hate it. I, you know, for me, over all of last year, Tafari proved that he should be the starting center back on this team with Hedges. And that I like an old guy, young guy combo. I like a combination of Hedges' experience, and he's starting to lose a little bit of his range with Tafari, who's got massive range and recovery speed, particularly when you have uh, on that one side, you have an outside back who is still prone a little bit to mistakes. And that's Tuamase. Farfan doesn't seem to be, but Ima still is. You're still learning. So the ability, not that Hedges can't cover up, but I like Tafari there even better. And Hedges is more capable on the left for me. So um, so logistically, logically, I can talk myself into why the coach is doing it, but I can't stand it. I like to me, speed, athleticism matter, you know, and we want Tafari to be learning the position. So I, I don't like it at all. Well, it'll be interesting because I'm, I have no idea what to expect out of Toronto because they're certainly in their own uh, kind of quasi rebuilding situation. They've, you know, traded off and sold off uh, Jose Altador and, and the Italian guy hasn't showed up yet. I guess he's not here until after the summer. And man, that, that's a, that's going to be a weird, that'll be an interesting game to watch. I haven't seen them play at all in this preseason. So I have, I literally have no idea what's, what's coming to town this weekend. Yeah, I think they just signed like a 37-year-old left back or something. So it's a bit of a mess over there. Dan, you got any clue? Have you seen them play at all? Uh, well, they lost to Houston in preseason, so that should tell wow, you that moly. they're kind of struggling right now. Yes. All right, we'll talk a little bit more Toronto here before the end of the podcast as we get into the second half uh, of the, the discussion of the second half of the jersey reveals for the season. But it does feel like a this is a good time to uh, set up our own season predictions. Is, are you guys ready to do this? Oh, yeah, let's hit it. Okay. Uh, Dan, so uh, we're only really predicting three things. How Dallas is going to finish the conference champ regular season season 
Shield, that would make three, and then whoever wins MLS Cup. Those are the four things we're doing, correct? Sure. Okay. All right. So, uh, Dan, you get to go first. What place is FC Dallas going to finish in? I'm going to go for seventh in the West. And okay. Do you want to expand on that and talk about what happens to them as a playoff team? Uh, oh, let me let me let me preface that. A seventh if the midfield stays healthy. Um, you know what? I mean, I think it's I think this season's more of a crapshoot than ever before. Um, you know, you've got teams that suddenly looked good last year that have kind of worsened. You've got Seattle. Everyone's saying are the, now the greatest team in the history of MLS, but only because players who were injured for the past two seasons are back. Uh, you know, th- what teams think... are those? Seattle. Oh, okay. I thought you said uh, two team. Oh no, sorry. Uh, um, I've lost where I was now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of weird. Like every team seems to progressively get better year on year, but it seems like this year, and maybe that's just kind of the effects of, uh, you know, the the pandemic and everything around it, and and whatever else in the global market, but uh, the Western Conference, I'm looking at teams, you know, who's left, who's who's arrived, and they don't seem to be getting better on the whole. Okay, but are you saying that they're they're going to be seventh, make the playoffs, and out in the first round, or what do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? Uh, that put them... Okay. I think that, yeah, you if they get in, I think they'll win a game. A okay. game. All right, very good. Uh, Buzz, I'll let you go last. I'll just say this. My head tells me otherwise, but my heart honestly wants to say, because I've spent so much time complaining about how this team has been run for the last many seasons, that on a season where they appear to making at least an effort to do things differently and in a manner in which I actually am excited, it seems that it would be hypocritical of me to do anything other than say, I think they'll end up fourth in the West, make the playoffs, and end up in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, wow. Goodness gracious. And I already apologize in advance for totally hexing the team in the <laughs> yeah, 2022 season. It. I just yeah. ruined it. Sorry. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> All wow. right. What about you, Buzz? Yeah, I have them uh, fighting down to the wire for that last spot, either seventh or eighth, which is, um, I think they have enough to get in, but I don't think, I think it's going to be close. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Buzz, who do you think will be conference champs this year? And the, and, well, we'll just start with conference champs. Yeah. Okay. So in the West, uh, I do buy into the Seattle. Uh, recovery thing. I think they're going to be pretty good. I think the teams that are right there, uh, Colorado got worse. Um, Nashville, uh, I think is pretty good, but I think Seattle, do you think, do you think, do you think Nashville, uh, is as good as everybody seems to think they are in the Western conference? Like people have them consistently second. I think they're in that window. I think they're top four. Um, but you know, like I said, I think Colorado got worse. I think sporting is going through a rebuild, um, you know, there's LAFC is trying to rebuild. They have a new coach, you know, LA galaxy's shuffling a lot of pieces around. No one really knows what they got. Like in the, for me in the West, there's like two good teams in the West, you know, maybe three. And then there's maybe two or three teams at the very bottom. And there's a whole bunch of teams that all could finish within the three or four points of each other. 
So, you know, I, I, Portland without fail is almost always good again, except they're getting really old. So I don't know how long they're going to hang on. So it's like almost Seattle by attrition to me is the best team in the West. And on the East, um, the East is weird because while Seattle, Colorado, by the way, in the Champions League too, that's going to give them a hangover. They don't have the roster for that, but Seattle is in there, but they're used to that. Um, New York City FC and New England are both in the Champions League too. So that's going to give them a hangover. So I actually think that you're going to see somebody like Philly sneak through and be um, Eastern Conference regular season champions. You know, somebody that doesn't have that Champions League overload that that New England and New York City FC do. Hmm. Uh, and who do you think will be the Shield winners? Uh, I'll stick with Seattle, strangely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you got for yeah, conference yeah, got- champs? Seattle and the Shield too. Um, yeah, I kind of figured top four. Uh, SKC, uh, they are in a rebuild, but they, they do look a little better this season. I don't buy into the Nashville hype too much. They finished third, but I mean, on points last year, if you just put that over in the West, they'd have been in that group of teams that were fighting for seventh. Um, you know, they've also lost Alistair Johnson, who is a fantastic defender and really not done anything to replace him in that kind of three man back line. Yeah. I I figure after Seattle, you have like this grouping of, you know, Nashville, Colorado, Portland sporting probably in there. And then below them, you kind of get the Minnesota, the, the two LA teams. And so if you're, if you're Dallas, you're trying to sort of sneak into the bottom of that kind of collective. That's where you're trying to get. I'm interested to see where, how San Jose do. I think they've had a really nice little off-season, a lot of in-league transfers, you know, no, nothing major. But, I mean, that, that was a terrible team last season. Is that kind of, you know, did they have, it, it, is it enough to push them over the line? I, I kind of think maybe eighth, but I also saw, like, people were saying, oh, no, they're, they're 14th, they're terrible. Okay, well, um, and who did you say? You said Seattle Shield, both. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, both of you guys have that. All right, I'm I'm like you guys. I think Seattle is going to have a tremendous season, um, and probably will be the Shield winners. On the other side, though, uh, I am going to I'm going to give a run for the Revolution uh, and Bruce Arena. I just I have a weird feeling that that's going to be a, another good another good performance from this team this season. So I'm going to go ahead and pick them on the Eastern Conference. Uh, although I really want to pick Orlando just because I really want Oscar. I re- you know I have a you know, a man crush on Oscar. So that's yeah. My only knock on New England and New York City FC is the is the Champions League hangover thing. I mean, it's yeah, a that makes sense. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's why I'm like that's enough of a hit that somebody not in to me will sneak in in the East. As the as the top of the East in the, for the the regular season, that's why Orlando's a good shot for that. I feel he was just a click better for me. Okay, and who do you have for MLS Cup champ, Dan? I could go Seattle. Uh, you know they have that on year the off double. year. And, yeah. Okay. And Buzz, do you have them winning the double, breaking well, the Shield curse? I mean, that's a very good shout, but I, I'm actually going to defer to you, Peter. I'm going to say New England's going to come from not first place and they're finally going to win MLS Cup. They're going to come from third in the East and and then win through and, and win the Cup. That's my predict. 
Okay. Well, I am going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick to the curse of the shield, and I'm gonna say New England is going to beat Seattle and render Dallas and New York as the final two remaining MLS originals yet to win MLS Cup. That's my prediction for this. Yeah, I'm with you. Last last time Seattle won MLS Cup, I in this same prediction said, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. (laughs) (laughs) We know you love to predict things, Dan. I know it's a, a big favorite. A big a big thing in your life. I know you do. Okay, you guys ready for kit talk? I I am, but do you want to try and dig a little bit first into, um, you know, why we think, you know, sort of not super deep, but why we we all have Dallas is like what, seventh, like what the big issue really is? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, please. Yeah, I I at least want to do that. Um, For me, it comes down to the the spine. You know, the, the things that they've done this year that we like, that are nice are all on the outside. The The bottom line is that you have in Jesus, an excellent player, but him as a nine is a question mark. Paxton ability to stay healthy is a question mark. Brandon full season as a starter question mark. Edwin Cerillo has never been a full season as a starter at the six question mark. Those three guys together, they're going to need a couple of seasons to really become good as a group, right? Hedges last year banged up 31 now. Health could be a question mark. Defari, if he ends up playing, right, is still learning. Inexperience can be rough, question mark. Martinez, a little bit slower than you might like, question mark. Maurer can't stay healthy last year and regressed big time from his previous good season. Martin Paz, we have no idea what we have. So the dead middle up the spine of this team has got seven question marks in it. Or was that six? I didn't count. You know, and that's why to me, this it's a process, right? This team is not ready to be challenging in the Western Conference. It's good enough that it's going to get back to that window where they're fighting for the last couple of spots, but they're two seasons away from legitimately competing at the top of the conference. Yeah, I, I feel like four of the five questions uh, that we talked about in last week's pod are all built into what you just talked about and 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 when I when I said earlier in this particular uh, a little while ago when I said I was taken aback when I read all of the MLS soccer pundits unanimously deciding that Dallas wasn't going to make the playoffs I was honestly taken aback by that until I really sat and thought about it for a while and all of the things you just talked about buzz specifically, uh, and, the, and the reason why I asked the question a little while ago about are they really going to go into the season without another n- number eight as a backup option? Yeah. Uh, there are, I mean, I don't mean to be a bummer about this. I'm legitimately trying to be optimistic about this season. Hell, I just picked them to go to the Western Conference Finals, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I know that's stupid, but I, I, I don't want it to sound like it's all doom and gloom. But if you're being honest and considering how these things historically tend to trend along with the fact that you got a new coach i can you you know it's probably yeah. best to hedge your bets uh, on yeah. how the season's gonna go i almost universally love everything they're doing this offseason it's a completely new era they're not kidding about that it's remarkable but it's not you can't you're not gonna be great overnight you know the, the whole it's a process thing was legitimate it takes some time to turn the thing around on the field. I don't want to hear that you know, from you, Buzz. Like that. Of sorry, all people sorry. in the world, I <laughs> yeah. don't want to hear process talk from you. <laughs> okay, it's a plan. It's a it's a theme. Uh, I don't theme. Hey, yeah. Dan, is there a British way of saying it's a process that you can share with us that maybe sounds less aw- awful? Sorry, guys, it's gonna be a shit year. 
<laughs> did you see that the Red Bull coach basically said the same thing the Charlotte coach did that we're screwed? I mean, he said it in the press conference. No, I didn't. <laughs> Not, see he that. didn't say it quite that blatantly, but he was saying, "Yeah, realistically, we can't compete." I was like, "Wow, wow, that is coaches being frank this year. It's crazy." Yeah, I love it. I love that stuff. All right, Dan, do you want to throw in anything there? You've been awfully quiet about this. Uh, I'm good. I thought. Uh... <laughs> thought, thought we uh, we looked at the league. We decided Seattle's good, and other teams are not very good. Okay, all right. Well, I thought maybe specifically why you felt like you did about Dallas. No, I um, I, you know, with Dallas, it's exactly that. The Spiner teams, iffy. You're gonna have uh, Velasco come in on the left. You're gonna potentially have some teething issues with Farfan, and you know, uh, or potentially uh Hader Obrian, who we know blows hot and cold like the weather uh this week specifically uh i mean what we saw from Paz in preseason so far has looked great uh hedges looks like him his old self physically uh he even beat fafa pico in a sprint which wow. was remarkable yeah. um but yeah it's it's all you know I think FC Dallas is going to be a second half of the season team, uh, much like the you know how Seattle does it every year. But you could probably say the same about LAFC. You could say the same about San Jose. You could say the same about Nashville figuring out the West Coast teams. Portland now that they've got a little bit younger. SK, you know, there's so many so many teams that that could have that resurgent back half of the season that. We're so used to a team that kind of gets out to a hot start and then kind of loses it. You know, is it going to be the feel-good time in Toyota Stadium that they kind of want to build off of, or are things going to be a little bit uh, difficult? Now, Peter, if I'm going to be really optimistic and drink the Kool-Aid, and if everything hits and like everything me? works, yeah, then I can totally see fourth. I can see your prediction be true, but it's got to all go right, and yeah. that's just not the way things work in rea- the real world, really. All right. Now, uh, this is actually a good opportunity. I saw somebody tweet this question to you, Buzz, I think yesterday or earlier today, and I did wonder if anybody has asked Nico this question, is what what honestly is uh, would you guys consider to be a successful season? Oh, making the playoffs. Just playoffs, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you yeah. feel like Nico feels that way? Does anybody, do we know if anybody's asked him that question? Uh, I did not think to ask him. I should have. I, you know, I, that's the that's the line. I mean, that's the organization has stated that that's their standard is to be in the playoffs. Okay. So, you know, I, I think for him and I think for the whole organization, I think they any of them would say the same. Making the playoffs is a successful season and missing is not a successful season. And that's that's where the divider is for me, too. You know, there have been years where I would have felt that it's not that, where it would have been like top three is it, you know, like when Oscar was here. But right now, just making the playoffs, that's a great season if they make the playoffs. Uh, do we want to throw in U.S. Open Cup performance as some sort of part of that measure? Uh, I mean, that would be great. You know, the Hunts uh, claim that they love the Open Cup, you know, but Dallas always uses it as a chance to play a bunch of, uh, you know, second team sort of guys, and then they run into these USL teams and lose. So, I mean, I would like to see them to see them take it a little bit seriously. Um, we'll have to see how Nico goes with that. He may not he may not be an open cup guy. You know, kind of mm-hmm. hard to sell this far out. Okay. 
All right. Well, thanks for throwing that in there, Buzz. I'm I'm sorry um, we didn't do that earlier. That would have we no. It's it good. I think it followed order. up our predictions to okay. say to like put down on paper, you know, on the record why we think this team's not better than seventh. Well, you know, I'm a kit nerd, so I'm always eager yeah. to do kit talk. Oh, me too. And we got a lot of kits to talk about because there's been I think uh, 15 new kits uh, since we last. So we'll go through them in alphabetical order as they appeared. Um, uh, are we giving thumbs up or thumbs down to this new all super orange Cincinnati away kit? Uh, like thumbs it. up. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's one of their colors and it was only two, one of their orange team in the league. So sure. Yeah. I kind of like the, uh, the silver, how they're using silver in their color, color. Yeah. Way. Uh, that's a good look. Dan, it's did solid, you say you liked well it? Yeah. 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 I like it. I think, uh, you know, you, I think uh, it's, it looks really cool with that whole sea uh, flag. I guess that's Cincinnati's city symbol or something that like surrounds the the crest. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know when teams have come to MLS, you worry about like a bastardization of what that team represented beforehand. But if you put that on USL uh, FC Cincinnati, you'd be like, "That's a cool kit." Yeah, Dan, what is the technical term for when the the shirt has a pattern kind of stitched into it like that? We see that in the in many of these jerseys. The Colorado one comes to mind with the Rockies. This one with the Cincinnati. Um, there's, there's not really a technical term. Some people call it watermarking. Some people call it embossing or debossing. Okay, watermarking. Sublimation. Sub- well, sublimation is is print in the jersey. Oh, that's the difference. So, like the New York City uh, shirt, that's sublimation. So the the stripes in the Dallas shirt are sublimated. Yes. Okay. That would. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. So I, I, I'm sure this ended up this ended up being divisive. Really, once they got their new jersey sponsor, the new DC United All Black number, which has kind of the matte, shiny uh, vertical stripes in, all in black. What do you guys think of this one? I mean, I almost always like DC kits when they are solid black, so this one's pretty good for me. Yeah, they got a cryptocurrency blockchain company now as a sponsor, and everybody <laughs> well, freaked like. out. Yeah, it's not an ugly sponsor, that guy. No, it actually it does look good on the shirt. Yeah, everybody. I I I guess cryptocurrency companies are the new MLMs. Uh, everybody gets Ugh. to hate as a sponsor. Oh, yes. quite literally, you are putting work in. And devaluing your uh, graphics card for the sake of it. <laughs> By the way, we totally failed to mention the NYCFC shirt sleeve sponsor last week, Dude Wipes. Ugh. Am I the only one that's okay with that? I think it's fine. I'd rather that than Advocate. Oh, I... really? Oh, oh, not me. Really? Okay. Okay. Dude wipes. But, What's wrong but... with Dude Wipes? I mean, it's not a. It's not a company that's had a $150 million fine levied against it. No, that's fair. Mm, they clean up your dirty spots. That's, you know, you, <laughs> the purpose in which they're used for just it doesn't, I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't it's know. It's off-putting, I will admit. Hey, uh, I, and now I'm Maybe just wondering, did we yeah. actually, did we officially talk about, have we officially talked about the new Dallas jerseys? on the pod i just realized this i don't know if we've actually officially said oh they're here and they look like this 
I don't they remember. They look like we thought we look, they looked like. I think we've talked about what we think they're going to look <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but I think they've introduced them since. Come on, we knew. <laughs> yeah, we totally um, knew. Yeah, yeah the only that. thing that kind of bugged me is that it is that pinkish red again. It is, isn't it? Yeah, here, here's here's the my macro takeaway. How many years have we been clamoring for red and blue hoops with white numbers? It's got to be a decade, right? Yes. And this is pretty much that. So I'm not going to complain about it at all. I'm ecstatic that it's red and blue, basically yes. hoops with white numbers. Yes, and I'm gonna and I and I am delighted by this shirt. And you guys are going to be so you guys are going to be so proud of me in a few days when you see what I am receiving. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to show it to the world. Oh, I but um, I, let yeah. me let me say this. Here's my here's my thing. For, all, for you, the three of us have been dreaming of a blue and red hooped jersey for the last ten years. We we have more mock-ups of it than we can count. And when I see this resulting product with this weird kind of diagonal slash line design, I just wish they'd quit flirting around the concept and just stick with it and go with it. Yeah, no, I I'm with you, but this is at least moving that direction. And and I what I will tell you is that three or four people that I know that have actually seen it because, because they know I care about kits have come up to me and asked me about it. And they said, man, it looks great. So I'm like, okay. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty positive about it. I'm a top okay. of the stands guy anyway. So to me, I'm ecstatic. I mean, it looks like red and blue hoops. So I'm in, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure there are people that don't like it, but you know, well, I, if I'm nitpicking, my only concern is, is the, is the, at the execution of that slanted blue line design does create this weird purple effect, at least in the photos. Yeah. I need to see it in person. It does in person, too. I know a I couple of people in the Discord says it didn't, but when I saw it, it definitely did. Oh, okay. then you've seen it? Okay, good. All right. All right. Uh, and if we didn't say it, uh, by the way, the away jerseys will continue to have MTX as the sponsor on it, not MavQ, which, by the way, if you haven't heard, isn't a new company. It is a an artificial intelligence product by MTX, and they apparently are trying to spin it off in an IPO, and this is why it's on this. And by the way, they also own 10% of uh, the Jackals, the new Dallas rugby team. So you'll see that same logo on the Jackals uh, jersey how, as well. How about this? I'll throw this out. Given how good that the away jersey is, like this combo, these two kits, this got to be one of the top two or three pairs of kits in Dallas history. These two. Whoa. I'm gonna go that far because the away Top kit is two or three. Yeah, and the home kit is so close to what I want that it's like, I mean, the only one better is maybe like 98. Really, I think. So here's the so here's the question: In two years, when this shirt gets replaced, how angry are we gonna be when they <laughs> move away? When they do something other than blue and red hoops? It's so angry. We're talking about it already. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna actually break your hearts. Oh, I no. like the last one better than this one. Oh, do you? I do. Okay. Right. Whoa, wait. You like that weird waist hoop thing better than this? Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's like actual hoops for one, even if they grad if they get smaller. Oh. But I just think the jersey was just neater. Hmm. I didn't like all of the weight of those thinner hoops at the bottom of the shirt. I just thought it made everybody look like they had a beer belly. I just did not like that at all. 
I, well, I didn't like it at all, but I loved it a thousand times more than the deconstructed Texas flag yeah. jersey or the <laughs> well, Starry was, Night jersey yeah. or any yeah. of that crap they've been uh, rolling out on us over the yeah. last few years. And I do wish they'd re. I, I was so uh, excited when they moved from the original blue to the navy. I really wish they would reconsider a better red. I don't like this pinkish red. It's too- I don't understand it. It's only been over the last two jerseys. Before that, I mean, the Texas flag one wasn't. The the one with the white pin hoops, the really nice one wasn't. The red on red wasn't. It was like proper reds. Okay, but here's my question. If you put, if you make the shirt a more proper red, does a more proper red with the navy blue then begin to create more purple effect? By pulling some of the red out, do you lessen the purple effect? Maybe. I wonder if they made it lighter because of RSL as well. Maybe. Yeah, possible. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Well, big thumbs up on the new home jersey uh, for FC Dallas, and yep. I can't wait to show you what I'm getting. I'm so excited mm-hmm. by this. All right, next up, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, they have one of these embossed uh, doohickeys with their two area codes uh, showing off the, what is it, the county lines or the, the state line? State line. The yeah. state line between Kansas and Missouri. Again, much like Austin, this drives me nuts. I don't know why the league allows this team to have two kits essentially that are blue, but whatever. I think one kit needs to be a clearly contrasting one from the other, but uh, Kansas City are generally good at kit design and kit releases, so they get to do what they want to do. Do you guys like this? Uh, it's boring. I mean, their colors are good, and they're usually way better at kits than this. It's really boring. Okay. That's my two favorite colors or shades, and it's boring. Yeah, I agree. I love light blue and dark blue, but uh, I all right, whatever. All right, now I think I'm going to surprise you guys by this next one. I think this is almost a grand slam with the exception of one element of it. It is the new home kit for LAFC. The black number with the Art Deco design sublimated into it. Oh, yeah, it's really, really, very good. Really Hollywood. Yeah, it's well done. I don't like the centered badge. That's the one element I do not like. No, you don't like that? No, I don't. I wish they'd have done the pattern in a little bit of a darker shade of gray. It looks like, you know, sometimes you get those like fake jerseys where they've done like really poor quality printing and they've like over, yeah, uh, you know, over contrasted it. I I need to see it in person. That's what I'm really interested. Yeah. I yeah. wonder how well this. I mean, is it going to just look like a black jersey from a distance, or does it have enough of this uh, uh, contrasting enough that you can see it at a distance? Uh, that that's kind of the one thing I I don't Good I questions. don't haven't picked up on. But I think that's a hit. All right, uh, Minnesota United rolled out a new black with light blue trim and a white target sign on the front kit. It's so boring. I mean, they used to have the best kits when they were in the USL, and now their kits are just so boring and, and lame. It's just awful. Didn't they have this exact kit in gray the first season as well? They did. Yeah, they did. It is uh, disappointing because they have been historically really good. I don't know why they get away from the wing design because that's so sweet. Uh, Montreal took the Arsenal Dexter kit and turned it into their own version with this new number, is there a way kit with the white with the blue quartz marble design in it? That's all yeah, pretty it sucks. sucky. It'd be better if RSL didn't have it as an away kit with red marbling two years ago. Yeah. All right, here's the next one. And I'm really, I, I, I do not like this kit. And it's only because I just wish 
they would have picked a different shade. Nashville, once again, with the yellow. I was always against the idea of Nashville deciding to take yellow and black as their color theme because that really belongs to Columbus in every way. And I realized that Columbus and Nashville use different yellows. I do not like this particular shade. I I would think Nashville would be cool if they had been the team that went with like a fluorescent or highlighter yellow as their club color instead of this kind of crayon yellow color. I don't even know if that's correct. You know what I'm saying? I, I wish they uh, kept like the Nashville SC colors, that gold, more gold with the navy blue. Yeah, yeah, this shirt, this shirt, everything's black on it, and it would have like at least I think it's black. It's not navy blue. It it is okay because the color I'm look the, the, the picture. Yeah, I'm the looking pictures at, do look black, but yeah, when they're showing the photos, it's 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 that all right. Well, really dark navy that for I, some I, reason they use. Just because Columbus is historically identified in this league as the black and yellow team, the only way I think another team gets away from being black and yellow is if you go to a fluorescent yellow and that's why i don't like this color it's too it's it's just i don't know i don't like it that's why i think they should have gone with the the more gold color i know like columbus has branded theirs gold and black this year even though it's not but like you know that kind of like the the sort of goldy yellow that uh, orlando has in some of their stuff yeah, I'm not a big gold colored fan, but I see what you're saying. Now, what I do like about this shirt is I do like the side panel designs. Yeah, for cool. me, the biggest hang up with Nashville is that they should be doing the alternating shorts. Like their stuff looks way better when it's the gold, the yellow top, and the blue shorts. Yes. And vice yes. versa. Yeah. yeah, I would like, agree uh, with you. Sweden, like Sweden does, usually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about NYCFC last week. It's here in this list, and so now we get to officially talk about dude wipes. So my apologies for bringing that up earlier out of order. <laughs> yeah. So I thought for some reason we talked about it last week. Um, this is probably the most divisive of all of the releases. That's the second this- time you've said that. <laughs> Did I? What was the other one? Uh, I don't remember, but you said it was... Decisive. Oh no! Decisive. I said, I said, uh, I said, uh, uh, the LA kit was highly controversial or divisive, um, uh, I, but that's not the most one. I think the one that has caused the most controversy is NYCFC. Well, based on when I tweeted out the the, the leaked image of the NYCFC jersey, based on the, the the number of responses that were like, "This is absolute garbage." There's no decisiveness about it, whether it's good or bad. It's ninety nine percent people are like, "This is trash and the worst jersey I've ever seen." <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this: if if the blue, the solid blue lightning bolt on the right, if you're looking at it on the right side of the jersey, hadn't had the fade and was just solid blue into the orange, into the blue line, would that not have made it a better design? It would have, but it's still a gimmick. I don't like gimmick kits. Okay. And like a lightning bolt's a gimmick. So I get the lightning bolt. They have the third rail supporters. Their thing's a lightning bolt. They've they've featured the lightning bolt as some secondary branding before. That's fine. The thing that irritates me is the design is purely on the front. There is... The sleeve on that side should be blue, and I know MLS won't let them do that. Oh, really? Is that a rule? It's, yeah, it's, for some reason, it's, it's something that's kind of inherited from FIFA. Uh, Galatasaray tried to do it. They had, like, a full half and half, uh, including, like, the differently colored sleeves, and they got made to, 
uh, to change it before, like, after releasing it before the season had started. So I think that's why Eddie, this has you know gone this way. I like the 1995 Arsenal vibe that it gives. It will be in you know orange instead of the light blue, but it's I wouldn't personally wear it. Yeah, I wish that because they could have done white, they could do white numbers on the back and carry the blue over on the back, even if they're not allowed to do the sleeve. And I still think it would have made the shirt better. But I think what really makes it janky and feel like a bit is the is the you know spray the fade, can fade on the light. The fade bolt. didn't bother me until you mentioned it, and also it's not. So if you look at the lightning bolt thing. It's kind of uh, it's not even either. It, no, it really, it's not. It's got like a bias towards the bottom where you've got a like a really small gap, and then at the side it's much larger. It it looks like somebody learning Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> and it has dude wipes on the arm. So yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, now here's the one that uh, I think you guys universally loved. It's the new Orlando City away jersey. But my, so but hold on, my favorite part, and I'm gonna let you just say it out loud here, Dan. <laughs> what is it they got away with? I can't believe that somebody basically got away with, uh, with approving a design that is sunray shooting out of a guy's dong. <laughs> oh. It looks great with the purple shorts. The purple shorts kind of make it. On the jersey yeah, and yeah. the sign is good with the shorts, great. Yeah, when when you take the whole kit, the whole kit for me is one of the is a top five all time MLS kit. I think it's amazing. I loved their last white kit too. Yeah, this is the other thing. This is a shirt that I think you would want to wear to the mall. Yeah, specifically in Orlando. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like this looks like a cool shirt that you would want to wear to something other than a soccer game, just oh. because it's such a cool design and a pair of jeans or shorts or whatever. And it is a great look. Uh, congratulations I, I, to them. I've, I think it, it's a perfect follow-up. That last one where they had like the lion mane, that purple graphic that kind of did a, a like a, a little gradient out, very similar. Just you know, not not from the bottom, from the uh, from the top, and all kind of one color rather than the, the sort of orange and yellow that they've used. Yeah, they, they they put out a video of a guy wakeboarding wearing this jersey, and it just yeah. screams a Florida summertime fun, young, hip, cool outside. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. It is, and it would be super sweet if uh, Orlando was allowed to spend the money to make numbers that have this purple to yellow oh. gradient on the back with a solid oh, purple so, outline. Wow. Wouldn't that have been cool? I mean, there's no way they'll do that because the cost of producing that would have been nuts. But if it had been purple yeah, to yeah, orange right. to yellow, top to bottom or bottom to top on the numbers and the letters, that would well, maybe not letters, just purple letters across the back for names. But the yeah. numbers that would have been ugh, chef's would kiss. Have been. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Yes. Chef's kiss. All right. Uh, San Jose's away kit is a gray t-shirt, but I do Trash. like the side panels. No big so deal. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty. Especially considering what they're coming from, right? Like they went from that weirdo seventies design yeah, but it was to cool. this. Yeah, yeah. The seventies was great. This is so lame compared to that. I don't this understand like the a, thinking. A, it's like a bad washed out photocopy. It's just terrible. All right. And then we go to the last four, which were introduced, uh, uh, the last, I can't remember, like the day after those other 11 were introduced. So now we're getting to the most confusing one. <laughs> 
I don't know where this came from. I don't know. I mean, I know they they made something up about trees, but Atlanta United getting a green away jersey. This makes no sense to me. This is the maybe the most confusing of all of the choices in my mind. I think the thing that's worst about it is they're using that Holland 1988 pattern, which LAFC had that a couple of years ago. It's just... Did somebody just not have an, any ideas and were like, hey, we could use this mint color. We could borrow from Austin and we could use this. We could borrow this from LAFC. Well, aren't they getting a third jersey this year too? Yeah, or was that be, last year? No, it's this year. It's going to be a burgundy one. Okay. But I don't know. For a club that has done branding so well, I just don't get the thought process over this. Yeah, like they need to have the peach kit again. That yeah. was phenomenal. It was yeah, on the, brand for Atlanta. This is, it that, really I mean, was. What does it have to do with Atlanta? Did I miss something? Well, they keep talking about something about Mint trees. Juleps. and They call it the city in the forest kit or something. And, you know. Okay. That's I, Farmer's I, Branch. I know. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense thumbs to down. me either. Thumbs All right. Uh, big thumbs up for Columbus actually doing a yellow kit again. So we're, we're back yeah. with uh, uh, Columbus with their new crest. Nationwide is the sponsor in a yellow shirt. That looks great. And I guess they're going to wear it with black socks, I think. Uh, black socks and shorts, I hope. I mean, I assume they'd be the all-yellow submarine again. All right. So that's kind of the all-solid is their uh, bit, usually. They had black shorts in the media day pictures, I think. Oh. Uh, okay. They were the uh, banana people. They were good. Okay. And yeah, then, but they have a white away. Well, no, this is their away. The yellow is their away shirt. That's wait, true. This, well, hold on. Wait a second. No, no, hold on. So this website I'm reading it from is giving me conflicting information. The title of it is Columbus Crew Away, but then the opening line says the crew are looking to set a new gold standard, nonetheless, with their 22 home kit. So, all right. So their home kit yeah. is is yellow. They My have apologies. that gray thing with the weird digital things the, on it. The little right. eagles off the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> all right. Uh, the penultimate of all the kits Miami finally got their Miami pink shirt. Yeah, thank you. Why it's not their home shirt, I don't know, but it is a pink shirt with a po a pink polo collar, the black three sleeves, uh, and black sponsor on the front. Which, if you want to get the exact jersey but slightly better looking, uh, MLSstore.com uh, has the training jersey for thirty five ninety nine right now. <laughs> Shopping tips from Dan Crook. Yeah, okay. this is another jersey that doesn't look good with the all solid pink. That like there's, there's some photos of um, uh, our buddy uh, um, Victor Yoa. Victor Yoa, thank you. Oh, my my buddy, I couldn't remember his name. What an idiot. Um, and pink shorts and pink socks. It looks terrible. It needs a mix. It needs like a white or black or something. It doesn't look good in the. All yeah, it should be, white, be cool. white shorts, black socks. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look at Palermo. I mean, not so yeah. much now, but like when they were in Serie A, it was always the mix. It was always the the pink and the white, the pink and the black, the black and the pink. The you know, it was uh, the white and the pink was uh, white with pink shorts always looked phenomenal. But yeah, all pink and all black is just kind of like all right, whatever. Okay. And then the final jersey I was super excited about because it is a uh, it is a classic soccer design, but this is done in the most bland of finishes, and I suspect we will see it this weekend. Toronto's new away jersey, which is a half panel. I love the half panel. Me too. 
Uh, in fact, that would be my second favorite FC Dallas design idea, which is a navy blue on one side, red on the other. But we're getting it in gray and slightly less gray with Toronto FC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised that nobody like when I when I first suggested hoops for FC Dallas, the, what I talked about was like using a pattern as branding. And Vancouver's done that now with their bar that they've basically stolen that from Chicago, who used to have that and doesn't know anymore. You know, no one's taking halves as like their thing. Like somebody can make that their thing to differentiate themselves. And nobody's done that. Even Toronto's just doing this one time. So, Well, I, I will give uh, credit and be honest. The one thing that I am proud about is they didn't monocolor the logo. They did go with the full three color red, black and gray Toronto crest. Yeah. So I'm proud about that. All right, uh, Dan, what's your favorite jersey of all the new jerseys this season? Oh, uh it's uh, clearly the Houston oil slick. <laughs> I do not believe you. I'm throwing out the, <laughs> I'm throwing out the Will Ferrell. I do not believe you. Yeah, Actually, you missed one. It was uh, Chicago's away too. Uh, Chicago, sorry, Chicago's new home, oh, which will last exactly about, one season. We didn't talk about that last week. No, that was that was one of the late releases. Oh, okay. Well, sorry about that. Okay, yeah, that one That's is a good one too. It's pretty unremarkable. They get yeah, their red back next season, though. Let's be happy for them. All right. Well, the new crest looks good, so good for that. So, what do you, so what, you don't like the Houston one most? Which one's your favorite? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's the Orlando one. There's there's nothing that compares to it this year. Okay, Buzz, do you agree with that? Yeah, the Orlando's the winner. Um, it's my least favorite is not Houston though. I think the Houston one's perfectly fine. As Black Kits go, it actually has a little bit to it. I actually think the San Jose. Uh, semi grayish washed out thing is the worst. Hmm. Okay. Well, I hope we didn't forget some kits because now I feel like we forgot some, but whatever. My favorite we, kit we is hmm? what? We did. We, which ones few. did we miss? Well, speak uh, up, we, man. Uh, oh, no, no, we did New England last week, actually. Philadelphia. Oh, yes. I can't believe I'm saying that. Oh, we did forget a whole bunch of them. Crap on me. I'm a terrible host. Um, all right, so the but Charlotte we're one. We're great We are, and this is, uh, I thought we covered these last week. So the Charlotte one is dismissive. The Philadelphia one I love only because it's my favorite of any classic uh, jersey. Like if I was going to design a club shirt, it would always be the racing stripe over the left side. And I love that design. And I think that shirt looks great, by the way. And they finally got Bimbo in gold lettering. Yeah, do you like yeah. that one, Buzz? I do because it's while it's not the center panel I asked them they started with, it's along the same vague genre of the uh, you know the second color of blue down the middle-ish part of the jersey. So it's sort of on brand. So yeah, I think it's fine. The Charlotte away one is really boring. It's actually a really good Minnesota United kit, apparently. So, <laughs> you know... It's better than it's, Minnesota's it's, home. Again. It's very well branded with like the the wavy lines off the money uh, off of like the dollar bills on the uh, yeah. for the mint city thing, and the color being kind of mint as well. But yeah, the the jersey yeah. itself outside of the cuffs and the collar are completely underwhelming. I, I applaud the mint branding idea, you know, theme. I just that jersey is just a black kit. This is boring, but yeah, you know. All right. It could have well, been now, some better things. Uh, all right. So there, I, I, I'm wondering now if we forgot, because I don't know if we talked about this last week, because my favorite is clearly the Vancouver kit. I oh, think that kit yeah. looks amazing, and yeah. I love the way the execution of that. Did we talk about that last week? 
I don't no. think so because, you know, I've said for a couple of seasons now that the current white one with the red number on the back and the blue shorts is one of the greatest kits in MLS history. And they oh, essentially you know, the one they, before they recognize, was. well, what not, not the specific one, but that general theme, oh, okay. there's slightly yeah. different versions of it that have been better than the others, but they've stuck with it and it's amazing. And this is basically like the inverse of that. That's phenomenal branding. That's really well done. It's an awesome kit. I assume it's going to have white shorts with it because the other one has the blue. You know, so it's cool. it's just as it's not just as good as the white one because the white one is the the creme de la creme. But um, yeah, phenomenal new jersey for them. Yeah, they had one of my favorite kits of all time. Their UPS brown kit. I loved that kit. That is a I, great kit too. Yeah. God, that was a fantastic. Did you like that? You're gonna tell me you hated that kit, aren't you, Dan? No, it was good. It was it was good with the uh, the shade of blue they used on it. Just kind of made it pop. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but I the- do have that. Uh, that hoop one they did where it was like the full hoop and the floppy collar with the red numbers. I loved that enough that I had to buy it. Yeah. Um, I, the, the, the color of blue that makes up the majority of this kit is so spot on for a blue. It's such a good blue. It's um, good. It, it's a great looking kit. Okay. Well, hopefully we didn't forget any, and I apologize if I've uh, failed in my, in my duty of, of being, uh, major demo kit nerd. So did okay. we do the Austin uh, green thing? Did we? Come? Yeah, we oh, talked because yeah, you yeah. argued about the Seattle problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The green I, sock in the wash. Yeah, the, yeah. We talked about that. We we did absolutely talk about that. Um, all right, a couple other things. I got a couple other notes I wrote down here. Oh, Man, I you know. Pod. Oh, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, and maybe you can edit this back in there and and somehow buzz, but you probably don't want to do that. Which was the question when we're talking about center midfielders and the fact that Dallas doesn't have a backup. Do we have a feeling that at some point we're going to look back on the season and we're going to look at each other and go, "Man, I wonder if they're really mad at themselves for letting Ricarte go." Uh he would fit better in this system. Um, I can't. I can't legitimately answer that question without knowing what the buy was because his loan was up. And so it's possible like of a player that was a league MVP caliber player from the league he was in, that the buy was probably pretty pricey. Now, if you're talking about skill set, like him in one of those eight spots would be, yeah. would look really nice. It would look really good, but the the price is what you don't know. And, and I, and I will say that like, despite the fact that there's a lot of advanced metrics that say that, you know, he was doing some really nice contributions to help the team do good things when he was out there, their record when he's out there is abysmal, you know, and I don't know whether it's him, whether it's the fact they don't know how to use him. I, I understand why they gave up on him. Uh, you know, it's just, it wasn't working, but you know, without knowing the price, it's impossible to really know. Yeah, I just felt like we spent a lot of time uh, making jokes about how they hired it. They signed a guy that the coach didn't know how to use, and now they got a coach that I think has a system that he'd actually work in, and they let him go. Uh, but to your point, it prob- may, may have been a price thing. So Yeah, it um, would have been pricey to roll the dice if you don't really know what, what you got and whether he really would fit. You know, I'd like to think he would be good, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. Okay, and then the other thing that came out, we do now officially know uh, none of the broadcast stuff for the club is changing this year. They've got tech, uh, t- uh, Channel 21 back online. They've got a few affiliate stations. Um, uh, Steve and Mark and Owen will be doing the TV stuff. There's nothing special or new about the broadcast information, is there? No, it's not surprising to you because isn't this the year the big TV deal happens, isn't that? 
this winter. It is, although I was surprised to see Kansas City spend money on their own streaming platform so that they could stream games for people who can't watch it on their over-the-air partner. That that did not come cheaply to them. So uh, knowing that everything's going to change after next season, that was uh, that was the one kind of interesting note that I saw of other clubs, how they yeah. were it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Dallas faces off against Toronto this Saturday afternoon at 4:30 at Toyota Stadium. It is on Texas uh, 21 and all those other places. Buzz, anything else? Dan, anything else we want to talk about before we hang it up for the day? I would like you to real quickly each predict who's going to lead Dallas in scoring. Oh. It should have been in the list of predictions, and it just occurred to me. So I'm well, you know, I, this is this is good, and again, this is where I feel like I've uh, let everybody down, and this is totally out of order. Nah. Uh, Velasco, Velasco is supposed to arrive on Friday. He obviously won't uh, play on Saturday, and it's probably too early to really get any. I we haven't talked about him a lot because he hasn't been here, and nobody's seen him, and we really don't know what we're getting. Uh, and I say that because you ask about who's going to lead the team in scoring. Um, uh, so I'm I'm vamping while I think about this, so you guys can chat. Dan, and- why don't you go ahead? As is for our, uh, you know, you'd have to have Frank O'Hara displace him from the team, or a midfielder really step up. Uh, it's kind of just going to be a little bit difficult for anyone to to do better than him. Hmm. I'm going to go with uh, you're gonna, not going to believe this I'm going to go with Paul Areola because I think Jesus is going to be out of sorts for the early part of the season as he's trying to figure out this new spot and he gets a lot of assists anyway so I think that Jesus is going to have a good year but like a 8-8 eight and eight year and I think Paul will pimp him and get you know like a 9 or 8 or something and be ahead with the goals alright yeah, like the rest that. of my predictions this one's going to be equally wheels off Hader O'Brien will lead the team in goal scoring this year. Wow, from you, that is wheels off. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if O'Brien leads this team in scoring, things will have gone really wrong, and it's going to be a really bad season. Or maybe yeah. just amazingly good, Buzz. Yeah, Come on, let's gonna, be positive. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they're going to change formations, and he's going to be the outright nine, and he's going to bag 12 or 15 goals. Maybe that'll happen. <laughs> Who the hell knows? All right, yeah. anything else? Man, that was a lot. Patreon.com, third degree. Give us a duck buck. Thanks to Pappy Check for the music. Dan, you want to throw out anything there? No, I think you both did a good job of it. Okay. Thanks, bud. Appreciate that. This is Michael Points. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer 90. Make Soccer 90 your source for all your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. The new FC Dallas Crescendo kit is available now. Adult women, and youth sizes are available. Remember, Third Degree listeners receive 20% off your purchase when you use code ThirdDegree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Some exclusions apply. All right. Well, uh, here we are. Here we go. Another season we start. The slate is clean and fresh. We got a new coach. We got new players. We got a new uh, shirt to wear. All of it is brand new. We all get to go into it with a happy, positive attitude. Dallas till I die and all that stuff. Uh, looking forward to hearing from all the supporters groups and watching what kind of tifo they raise on Saturday afternoon. Excited about all that, and I'm excited about the new season. Dan and Buzz, are you excited about the new season? Come on, let me hear it from you. Oh yeah, no, I'm excited about the new season. I just don't think it's going to be fourth. <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
If that doesn't rev up the, the pod listener, I don't know what will. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. Here we go. We'll speak to you next week with a first game review on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Here's hoping for a good season. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast.